Well, welcome to my garden, and uh, I'm not much of a green thumb, but uh, as you can see, we actually have some good fruit here. Uh, we've got snow peas, and we've also had some lettuce and bok choy, a number of other things. Uh, but probably the snow peas are the ones that I've really enjoyed the most over this last season. At the start of COVID, Liz and I had decided, uh, what if we uh, grew some veggies that we could pick from, especially with isolation coming up, we just weren't sure. And so we started to look for different um, seedlings, uh, but there was none on, on sale. But we did find seeds, so here's some snow peas here. And they come uh, in just a small seed, well, they're actually quite a large seed. Um, but what I love about this is that all the promise and potential is found just in this dead seed. All that's required is good soil and then constant watering, irrigating uh, of the garden. Uh, our job really is only to keep the water up and keep weeds out and to train up the, the growing plant. But all by itself, it grows. And it all grows within one season. And understanding the season that you're in uh, and the promises that you've been given will uh, oftentimes give you hope but what you need is the rain to be kept up to it. And so we're going to talk about it this morning uh, as to what our part is in keeping the rain up to our garden, uh, which is actually God's garden in us, in what he wants to grow in us. Your garden. God designed your garden to be a place that bears much fruit. And it comes from knowing the voice of God. And we've called this sermon uh, or I've titled this sermon, Grow Your Garden. There is a participation that we have in seeing God at work in us. And in particular this morning, I wanted to talk to you about how to hear from God and the importance of hearing from God in growing the garden of his kingdom in your life. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at a few passages this morning. But I wonder for you, uh, when it comes to hearing God's voice, you see, each of us are in, in different spaces or different levels, if you like, of different experiences of hearing God's voice. But no matter what level you are at or that you would place yourself at, I want to encourage you, we have to start somewhere. And the Holy Spirit is uh, not mute or not wanting to speak to you. He desires absolutely to speak to you. And in fact, that the shepherd of our souls, Jesus Christ himself, the good shepherd, he calls out uh, to his sheep and they hear his voice. They learn to hear his voice. They learn to distinguish his voice against the voices of the world. We find in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7, that the writer of this book says, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. Land that drinks in the rain often. And the key to that verse is often. Drinks in the rain. Uh, what does it mean to drink in the rain of God? You see, a garden that drinks in the rain of God is uh, taking a hold of what comes from heaven. If you think of the picture of rain coming from the clouds or from the what people would say the, the heavens, uh, this is almost an analogy to say that we in ourselves, our garden within us, uh, what are we receiving from heaven, his presence? Uh, what are we receiving from him? 
And so it says, when you receive from his presence often, when prayer is a focus and hearing his voice is a focus, you begin to see your garden start to grow from seed into maturity and bearing fruit. Uh, Notice that in this particular picture, it says that um, it produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed. Uh, God actually has an intention for you that you would bear much fruit. In fact, Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15. We find it recorded uh, in verse 8. He says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Uh, when you think about it, a gardener, when he puts the seed in the ground uh, and then he, he makes sure that the soil is uh, ready and rocks are removed and so on and weeding is done, the very next thing is to add water to that soil. But he's not interested other than in reference to it bearing fruit, the beginnings of it growing into a stalk and then from a stalk into uh, leaves growing on that stalk and then flowering and then finally the fruit. But it's all in reference to bearing the fruit. A gardener at the end of the day, he finds uh, that the value of his garden is all based around the fruit. And Jesus said of us that you can tell that they are my disciples by the fruit that they bear. And so uh, in one way, it's like saying that the garden is one thing to have his promises in his word. It's another thing to have a fully uh, uh, surrendered soul or a surrendered heart to God where our soil is taking hold of his word. But the next thing is, uh, are we actually being watered from heaven? Are we taking a hold of that relationship with him where we're journeying with him? So back in Hebrews, uh, this whole... Uh, scripture is planted right in the center of the author is is leading his audience towards firstly saying Jesus is the uh, the high priest in fact he's the high priest who sacrificed once and for all never to need to sacrifice again because he sacrificed himself blameless and uh, and pure he was sacrificed as a worthy sacrifice before God we know that he was worthy because God resurrected him from the dead. And so now Jesus has been placed at the right-hand seat of the Father God, which means to say that he has been placed in the inner sanctuary of where Father God is. He is enthroned right next to the throne of God. Uh, He is in the most holy place. Now, in their day, uh, the Jews understood, in fact, the Jewish... uh, Uh, readers of this particular book would understand the whole picture of the temple and uh, the outer courts and then the inner rooms and then finally the most holy place where only the high priest could go once a year. Well, Jesus enters behind the curtain. He enters the rest of God. And then because he has entered, all those who believe in Jesus now enter in with him. And so he gets up to this place of of showing his audience that you actually have a place in the presence of God, in the inner room. But then he pauses in chapter 5, verse 11, just before we come up to the scripture we just read, to uh, interject to say, uh, in fact, we need to pause for a moment because it's one thing to talk about the presence of God. But if you're not interested in drinking from the presence of God, we need to start all over again. 
Chapter 5, verse 11 says this, We have much to say about this. About what? Well, about Jesus the high priest in the presence of God and you being in the presence of God. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. See, they had uh, recoiled in some way. They were no longer drinking of uh, the presence of God or the reign of God. He goes on to say, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, in other words, you ought to be bearing fruit. You need someone to teach you again all about the elementary truths. And he goes on to list some of those elementary truths. Now, you see, these elementary truths are like seed. It's it's like the, the promises of God. It's all packed into uh, the kingdom work. But this kingdom work is only as good as a seed sitting on a table if it is not activated into the soil of our hearts and then watered by the presence of God in our lives. And so he says we need to start there. It's like milk. And he says if we do not continue to drink from heaven, if we do not continue to drink from his presence, then we'll find ourselves in a place that he describes in verse 8. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. And so he places a warning there that, in fact, the land that we've been given, we've been given a stewardship over. Our heart has a stewardship of the garden of God in us. And if we do not maintain that garden, it simply goes to weeds and thistles. Uh, I don't know about you, but we get uh, in our lawn sometimes, we get farmers' friends. And they are the most annoying uh, kinds of weeds with little um, thistles or little uh, briars, I guess, that stick to you. And that's why they call them friends, farmers' friends. Not that they are the farmers' friends, but because they stick so close and uh, you have to one by one pick them off. Uh, Weeds end up growing in that garden. So you get the picture. Um, He goes on to say that, uh, in fact, uh, we are to be, uh, rather than just being uh, those who are a land with seed placed in it and then left to go fallow, he says, in fact, that... um, Uh, that he has better hopes for his audience. In verse 9, he says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. Uh, Verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And so he's saying uh, you've added to the word of God At least you've added, in this case, the love of God. You've added obedience. You've added a heart to embrace the word. And so he says, I have hope for you because uh, there is somewhat a a attachment and uh, roots going down. uh, And yet I want to encourage you towards the presence. Now, in verse 13 uh, of chapter 5, we find that he unpacks a little bit what it looks like for those who begin to take a hold of um, the, uh, the presence of God. Verse 13, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And when he talks about righteousness, it's uh, this sense of uh, stepping into uh, walking with the Holy Spirit, where he gives you uh, the good works ahead of you, which is his right acts of order uh, of heaven here on earth. Uh, Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature 
who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Notice he uses a very similar kind of phrasing to uh, rain often falling on the land. He says by constant use, and then he uses this word training. And if you think of training in the sense of going to a gym uh, over and over, you don't uh, have instant muscles overnight. But training that is constant produces the kind of fitness and the kind of strength that you're looking for. And so he says with constant training, you begin to distinguish good from evil. And what he's saying is you begin to distinguish uh, from God's voice in your life. Uh, his voice as compared to the voice of the world or the voice that comes from your own wisdom. It's this still small voice in us that we listen to that comes from the Holy Spirit. And at first, when you begin this journey uh, of discovery, of hearing God speak in uh, your own heart, you kind of wonder, was that of me or was that of God? And there's this wrestle over of learning to distinguish his voice. But what he's saying, if you'll continue to make this a practice in your life, you'll become a stronger distinction between the two, where you'll understand uh, his voice, good, that, that is of heaven, the reign of heaven uh, against that which is just of the world. Uh, I know in the early days when it came to uh, exploring and hearing God's voice. I got it wrong a whole heap of times. I needed the grace of God around me. I needed people around me who knew the voice of God uh, that, um, that oftentimes would speak into my life and would allow me space just to uh, trial and error until I started to learn to hear God's voice. And I can tell you over time, what I've found is uh, the best way I can describe it is a weightiness to his word that when he speaks, I begin to feel this weightiness or this burden for something that comes from him and it becomes clearer. And I tell you, I'm still on a journey and there are times where I've seen somebody else speak out of a word of God that they've heard and I think, man, they, they understand his word so clearly. I want that uh, and, and I want to uh, continue on the journey of continuing to have the presence of God pour over my life. Well, we get this uh, further description, which is almost an anti-description at first, because he says there are those who have had this, this very thing that we've just talked about, the presence of God, and he describes it somewhat, and then they've walked away from it. But let me read it to you so that you get a bit of a picture of the things that they had. Chapter 6, verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been, and now he describes the things that is of his presence. They've been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. Uh, here he says, uh, those who take a hold of the presence of God, they're enlightened. It's uh, another word for saying they receive revelation from heaven or wisdom from heaven. They've tasted and seen uh, the Holy Spirit and the power of the coming age or of heaven. And, and they've also, it says, they've tasted the goodness of the word of God. Now, this is not the Logos word. Uh, as in the scriptures, the written word. But in the Greek, it says the Rima word. The Rima word is the spoken word. They've tasted and heard of God speaking to them. This was the garden that he has intended for you, that you would taste and see 
that you would uh, often come back to the voice of God, that you would often have this revelation from heaven, that you'd often be enlightened by and experience his presence. And that through that, that your prayer life would be that of one who constantly goes back into the presence of God. Now, this was all situated uh, for the very reason that the writer of Hebrews felt like he had to pause to say, here is the presence of God, the inner temple. You've been given the very, in, uh, the very amazing gift of being able to walk into the presence of God because Jesus is there. He's paid for it. It's for you. You can hear from heaven. You can hear from God, our creator and our father who loves us. Uh, but I want to sense you back in on you must take a hold of it. It's, it must be something that you take a hold of. Now, I want to take you to a passage found in Mark chapter 11. And uh, it's an interesting passage because in this passage we find that Jesus is walking uh, towards Jerusalem. It's his very last move towards the cross. He knows that his life is finishing shortly. And as he's coming closer to Jerusalem, he sees in the distance a fig tree and uh, thinks there's fruit on that tree or I want to go and find if there's fruit on it as they're walking past. And I want you to pick up on just the distinction of what Mark outlines that happens because I believe that Mark has an insight around the fig tree as compared to the temple that he's about to walk into. Listen to this in Mark chapter 11, verse 13. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Uh, interesting, Jesus is looking for uh, fruit in season and out of season in our lives. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Well, Jesus curses the tree. They move on from there. It seems like such a small thing at the, at the time, but it has an amazing significance. When he comes into Jerusalem, they go into the temple and he finds that there's money being exchanged everywhere. There's a different kind of spirit in the temple where the presence of God is meant to be. Uh, there is no fruit bearing capacity. And he says uh, to those in frustration and in anger towards and moving away from God's presence, he says, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Here he's frustrated. He pours it out and he says, this temple, in fact, we could say of our own temple, this is meant to be a place of his presence, a place of prayer, not a place of uh, us trying to build our own kingdom, but a place where he is bearing fruit in us because his presence is at work in us. And so Jesus, with frustration, says this was meant to be, and he quotes an Old Testament scripture, a house of prayer. Now, as they come out of Jerusalem, the very next day, they walk back past the fig tree that the day before Jesus had cursed. And when they get to that tree, the disciples notice it's withered from the roots up. And Jesus says in response, verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will, be, it will be done for them. Here is this perseverance in prayer, this perseverance in belief. It's drawing from heaven. 
Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, notice he's, he's now talking about prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Uh, 25, and when you stand praying, if again, praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. He's detailing into the whole uh, idea of prayer in, uh, in our lives that we would actually journey alongside God in a life of committed prayer to Him, where we're honest about the things that are obstacles in our path, the things that get in the way, offense, uh, uh, fears, doubts, all those things, and laying that before Him, and then holding on to the things of heaven, holding on to His presence. Jesus points them back to the way to bear fruit. Now, you have a beautiful garden that God has given you. He has the seed of his word, his promises. It's all in seed form. The nutrients of your soil, of your heart that has uh, taken up your cross and uh, died to the things of the world and basically said, uh, my, my heart is ready to receive uh, your promises, takes a hold of his promises, the promise that uh, that you can be a son of God through belief in Jesus' name, the promises that all come with being a son or a daughter of God. And then uh, we have this life then of working, uh, not working out our salvation in that sense, but in coming into prayer where we invite God to be the reign of heaven over us. A seed in soil alone will not produce fruit. A seed in soil or a seed on its own cannot produce fruit. But when the water or the rain of heaven is poured over it often, it begins to produce a stalk. In its immature sense, it begins to grow leaves. Then it begins to sprout flowers and then finally fruit. God has intended for your garden to be a well-watered garden. Let me read to you some Psalms that uh, talk about this kind of garden. Psalm 104, verse 16. Trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. The birds, there the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the junipers. The trees of the Lord are well watered. Notice, notice he says the cedars of Lebanon. Just recently uh, over in Lebanon uh, with the tragedies that have happened there, uh, you'll find in Sydney, I think last week, there were images of cedars of Lebanon placed up on the opera house in solid, as a, a view of solidarity for uh, their loss. Um, cedars of Lebanon. In Lebanon, they had uh, apparently at that time forests upon forests of large, uh, massive cedars that the nations around them sought after for construction. Uh, he's saying, you become a mighty cedar of the Lord. Uh, just like the cedars of Lebanon, when you are well watered in his presence. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 92, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Here it is again. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Isn't that a good? That's good news. They will stay fresh and green. Here he's saying, your garden, even up to old age, can be bearing fruit and maybe even more so as you mature again and again and grow in his presence. Uh, 
Uh, I want to read to you also from Isaiah chapter 58 and uh, verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I just want to speak that over you. I just really believe that you need to hear that that you are becoming a well-watered garden. He's calling you into his presence. Uh, Just close your eyes for a moment as I read it again and allow this just to uh, pour over you. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Uh, he, he's actually called you from a sun-scorched land. And we live in Australia that is considered as a sun-scorched land to become a well-watered garden. What if uh, those in our church all took a hold of becoming a well-watered garden? It would be kind of like this idea of becoming a community garden for the people around that area. What if we were a community garden? Again, uh, Ezekiel Chapter 47, verse 12. Uh, Ezekiel says this, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. What's the sanctuary? Well, it's the presence of God. It's the spirit of God that flows to them. Their fruit will serve for, notice this, food, And you can say food for the nations and their leaves for healing. Uh, All of the righteous acts of God, the, the things that he has in mind for you to participate in. Heaven here on earth. That whole prayer of may your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven is all part of this same kind of idea. Uh, in the Pentecostal circles, they used to do and probably still do soaking nights. And uh, I love the term because it's this idea that uh, as we wait on God and just center in his presence, that we're actually going after what he wants to pour out into our lives. And I just want to encourage you that you would actually find yourself uh, finding places this week, even today, where you just get alone with God and maybe even with some other believers, maybe even in your life group that you would find a place just to soak in his presence. Uh, Nothing more than just to allow his reign to touch you, his presence to minister to you, his love to minister into your life, his healing to come into your life, uh, his righteousness, his good works to be revealed to you, uh, his revelation, his wisdom to be revealed to you, so that as you walk out of that soaking, that you would begin to mature another level, mature again and constantly find yourself uh, coming back to the presence of God where fruit begins to bear and God gets all the glory. I just want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for every single uh, viewer online, every single uh, member of uh, our church. We're just so blessed that you would call us into your presence. We don't want to be a land that does not drink of your rain. Lord God, we want to be a people that become a community garden that affects the community around us, that has food in season, that has uh, fruit in season, that has leaves ready for healing. 
Lord God, we want to hear from heaven. We want to hear from your heart. And we invite your Holy Spirit right now. May your presence come and touch every single person viewing right now. Father God, I ask that they would have fresh encounters of you this week, that they would find themselves absolutely overwhelmed by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.